views presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the Lafayette Bible Fellowship. You are listening to the Vigilance Radio Network. Welcome to Nightlight Radio. The Nightlight is the Lafayette Bible Fellowship's late-night biblical counseling program. For the next hour, you can call in, text, or message, email us at counseling at abfpdx.org, or you can even try to video chat us over our Facebook Messenger. Our phone number is 971-208-5290, and our chat profiles should be in the link. We're here to have relevant and biblical problem-solving conversations about the difficult issues that nobody really prefers to talk about. So if you or someone you know needs help, talk to us. The camera will be on for the next hour. I'm Pastor Josh with ABF's Chaplains and Training. This is Jacob and Justine. And hiding in the control booth, as always, is producer Jasmine. So let's go ahead and do this. Tonight, we are going to be talking about a very important uh, topic. And it is kind of a difficult topic to discuss. It is the topic of pornography. Um, So we're going to kind of breeze through some of our more topical aspects uh, when we do this. Like typically we spend a lot of time talking about cause and talking about uh, effect and like all of those things. Um, And we are going to talk about those things, but we have kind of a lengthy testimonial that was given to us. And so we want to get to that. Plus we have a lot of questions uh, for this particular subject which is what we really prefer to be dealing with anyway. So we're just going to kind of go through this really quickly. Um, so to start, the, oh, and by the way, this is, you know, this is a live discussion, so you can, you can uh, hit all of our channels to be able to talk to us, and we have our channels up. Um, we'll be monitoring them. But to start this topic, the, we, we want to frame it correctly. So when we're dealing with the issue of pornography, we want to make sure that it is stated right up front that this is a different issue than, say, the issue of alcoholism, or as the Bible would call it, drunkenness. Um, Alcoholism is dealing with something that is essentially neutral. Alcohol, which is is biblically neutral, right? Um, In a lot of cases, alcohol is used in, in positive ways. Whereas pornography, biblically, is not neutral at all. It's just straight up negative. Um, so it's kind of a different beast than your typical addictions. Uh, so, um, yeah, so we want to, <coughs> we want to make sure to frame it that way. Pornography is really dealing with any sort of sexual, um, invitation that is outside of a marriage relationship, like, uh, any, any, uh, anything that like, um, <laughs> for lack of a better word, like titillates you toward being into, uh, a sexual relationship outside of marriage. Um, so when we talk about the cause for that, essentially the, the Christian understanding of the cause for people initiating um, the experience of pornography just really has to do with lust. Um, and lust is really defined as wanting to consume something uh, rather than to do right by that something, wanting to extinguish that something for your own benefit. That's If you break down the word lust in Greek, that's essentially what it means. Um, But we're going to just take a look at some of the research on it before we get into testimonial. So I don't know if you want to hit us up, Jake, with some of the research (coughs) from our notes. Uh, That Greek word, I was just thinking, was that pornea? Pornea? Pornea. I don't know if pornea is the specific word for lust, but 
uh, pornea does have to do with more than just um, like visual type stuff. Mm-hmm. So anyway, but you can keep keep going. Uh, yeah. So for um, different causes, um, some of the um, we're hold on. We're hearing that our audio is buzzing a lot. I don't know if producer Jasmine, you want to take a look at that, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, but we'll we'll keep going. Uh, there's been research that has shown that children will first be introduced or stumble upon porn at 11 years old. Um, so that's like middle school age. Um, so uh, some, if not most, are not actually actively seeking it. But because it's so widely and easily accessible, um, they, like it said, they stumble upon it. Right. Um, even like through social media and stuff, there's like jokes all the time about what pornography is, and then you go search it up, and it pops right up, you know. And so, due to controversy surrounding that um, pornography addiction, um, researchers have um, debated whether or not it actually is identified as an addiction and what the clear causes of it are. Um, a 2015 study has found that uh, if you're believing to be addicted to pornography, it's not actually um, a use of it, but that it's more associated to stress or feeling like you're um, missing out on something um, or curious to find something that would cater to that. And then you go down a rabbit hole. But it would suggest that that's not actual addiction um, mostly because uh, the cause for it is just more like getting rid of an anxiety that people experience while viewing porn and so then you're not addicted to it because it gives you anxiety when you watch it. Right. Addiction tends to make you feel good Uh, like when you're like drinking or whatever like whoa lights came up heavy there. Uh, addiction tends to make you feel good, whereas when people view porn, it tends to make them feel bad. Mm-hmm. Not to say that they aren't stimulated, but it tends to make them feel bad, like, internally. Right. So, like, for cigarettes, uh, like, a smoker would look at cigarettes and they get excited to light up a smoke. But when people talk about pornography, first of all, how often is it talked about? Well, the reason that people don't talk about it is because it's a shameful thing. People don't want to bring it up. They feel disgusted with themselves. Yeah. So, there's some different uh, health conditions that come with it, um, specifically uh, psychological. Um, there's uh, there's reasons that people would use pornography as a way to escape um, or to restore lack of relationship, um, you know, intimacy or of the sort, um, or dissatisfaction in relationships. Um, there's also uh, an aspect to it where it becomes a cultural norm, where you can be around, um, like specifically for children, um, they can be around um, their peer groups, where they promote that that view that viewing of porn, um, and then if you don't do it, uh, you could be considered. Um, the immature, you know, 
or something like that. And so then it becomes part of the culture to do that, even if you don't actually want to, but now you're doing it to, you know, feel proud of yourself or something like that. Well, there's also the the uh, sort of I- idolization of the sexualizing, like what what is associated with sex looks a certain way, um, sex should be done a certain way, and so it creates cultural norms. I, there's a big study on yeah. the, what is it, the movie Deep Throat, um, which was a porn movie in, I think, the 1970s, and it, like, affected people's perception of oral sex. Mm. Um, <coughs> and then oral sex became uh, one of the entryways into uh, sexual encounters in as low as junior high age uh, over time, even though before that it really was sort of a niche thing. Um, and now it's just this sort of prevalent, uh, you know, it's one of the bases, you know, th- those bases that always, like, change in sexuality, like first base, second oh base, yeah. third base. Um, you know, and it became part of the culture after that movie. Yeah, it, it's, like, recognized in culture that before you have sex with somebody, you're supposed to give oral, and then you do that. Like, it's become a normal process um, in that way. Or you, like, get props because you've moved on to those bases, moved up the ladder in different ways. But, um, so, the, those are some of the causes. Uh, there's some different things that the Bible addresses. Um, a biblical perspective on the causes of it. So basically, a uh, person who is driven by feelings and uh, pursuit of sensual pleasures in general will actually never be satisfied and will always be frustrated with their life. Um, so they're going to continue on um, with seeking something that gives them uh, that sense of euphoria that pornography gives, and then they're never going to or they, if they find it, they keep going down this ladder. Well, that will show more hardcore pornography. Um, um, that's something that uh, you should not be chasing after, um, as, like self-driven feelings. But really, uh, you should seek after God's will, um, regardless of how you feel about it. And then. Um, basically, uh, in the hearts of all sinful men and women, uh, they will desire to, um, oh, just a second, to feel, you know, committed in, uh, a relationship with, um, those that will tell us to do something that we don't necessarily want to do. So we think of Samson's relationship with Delilah. You want to cover that a little bit? Uh, Well, yeah, I mean, when you look at Samson's relationship with Delilah, he, one could conjecture that he was, you know, sex-obsessed to at least some degree. And he was in this promiscuous relationship with Delilah, and he was, he was, um, willing to sacrifice certain things all the way up to sacrificing the secret of his strength because he wasn't paying attention to, um, I don't know, God's, God's way of doing things. He was playing with fire. Um, and I think that that is, there is, there's a constant message in scripture. If you look at the, in the book of Proverbs, for instance, where it talks about the, the harlot or the, um, the woman whose path leads to death and 
the path of wisdom and the, and the Proverbs 31, like a uh, perfect woman. There's a difference between the, um, there's a difference between the two of them. And there's this constant juxtaposition between, between the two. And so when we're looking at um, pornography, it really lifts up one of them. You know, it really lifts up the, the path that leads to death. Um, it's a beck and call, uh, an, uh, an easy beck and call, you know, um, for men and women alike to come and be a part of that relationship without having to put in any effort, um, any covenant uh, between the man and the woman and God, um, and instead to just take and take and take and consume and consume and consume. How's our audio been? Uh, we're kind of in the ears and the headphones. <laughs> Producer Jasmine's just giving me signals. Um, okay. Uh, well, <coughs> we'll keep going. Um, well, going off of what you said, by saving, uh, yeah. or the consuming, First uh, John 2.16, uh, the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements, uh, achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. Um, it goes right back to um, the concept of not being motivated by our own self, um, selfish ambition, our own um, whether it's your phone or um, even your bed that you sleep in, it should not be your motivation. You should be motivated by doing what, what Christ has called you to do as Christians. Yeah. Right, so um, when we talk about the effect of this, of allowing porn into your life, there's a couple things that we see. Uh, Jake kind of alluded to it earlier, but specifically we can see Actually, I mean, you can look this stuff up. It's really easily found. Um, but we see that it stunts your natural sexual development. Uh, it sets unrealistic expectations for sex. Um, it can, obviously, it, it, it can increase pregnancy and the spread of STDs. Um, it creates, it increases the rates of, like, um, all the sort of niche, inappropriate relationships that are just, like, really dark, like, child pornography or um, sex trafficking or so on and so forth um, yeah so let's see it can increase negative body image increases technological dependence um, it can have an effect on your physical uh, it can have an effect on financial and legal like I mean the, the list kind of goes on and on it perp uh, perpetrates um, rape culture and rape myths um, it can help you deviate I don't know if help is the right word um, let's see increased rates of depression increased relationship dissatisf dissatisfaction increased rates of infidelity I just lost complete sound in my headphones I don't know if that if we're good but no um, <clears throat> it leads to increased rates of infidelity and like, I mean, it's just seriously, it just goes on and on and on. Yeah. 
Um, I want to read you some stats I was pulling up, and it's really easy to find these stats. Like I said, they're kind of all over the place. There's a good website. Um, what's it called? Porn. Oh, porn kills love. Yeah, porn kills love. Porn kills love. Um, but I want to read you some. Stats. Like the new drug. Right. Yeah. Let me read you some stats I was pulling up before the show. So pornography, and this is in regard specifically to Christians, so this is kind of the, the difficult one. <clears throat> pornography use increases the marital infidelity rate in more than 300%. 11 is the average age, as we talked about earlier, that a child is first exposed to porn. 94% of children will see porn by the age of 14. 56% of American divorces involve one party having, having an obsessive interest in pornographic websites. 56%. 70% of Christian youth pastors report that they have had at least one teen come to them for help in dealing with pornography in the past 12 months. 68% of church-going men and over 50% of pastors view porn on a regular basis. Let me say that again. 68% of church-going men and over 50% of pastors view porn on a regular basis. Of young Christian adults, 18 to 24 years old, 76% actively search for porn. 59% of pastors said that married men seek their help for porn use. 33% of women aged 25 and under search for porn at least once per month. Only 13% of self-identified Christian women say that they never watch porn. 87% of Christian women have watched porn. 55% of married men and 25% of married women say that they watch porn at least once a month. 57% of pastors say that porn addiction is the most damaging issue in their congregation. 57%. Wow. And 69% say that porn has adversely impacted the church. And only 7% of pastors say their church has a program to help people struggling with pornography. Um, let me state that last, that last one again. Only 7% of pastors say that their church has a program for people struggling with pornography and that should tell you something like you look at these stats which are done by uh, Barna research for instance I think it was Barna specifically that did these particular stats you look at these stats and what you see is that you have this really pervasive issue that the church is really not addressing um, <clears throat> yeah I don't you've kind of been quiet <laughs> quiet over there do you have anything you want to add not at the moment All right um so right okay so uh again like going back to proverbs the scripture says in proverbs 6 don't lust for her beauty don't let her coy glances seduce you this is about the 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 harlot okay don't let her coy glances seduce you for a prostitute will bring you to poverty but sleeping with another man's wife will cost you your life um can a man scoop into can a man scoop a flame into his lap and not have his clothes catch on fire? Can he walk on hot coals and not blister his feet? Um, there's this constant thought process that is there in the scripture. I mean, even if you look at the scripture, one of the things that uh, Doug Wilson uh, says is like the... Um, he's a super conservative pastor. Um, I don't agree with everything he says, but one of the things that he says that I like is, you know, the Bible is really focused around the relationship, the marriage relationship. And specifically, um, you can really see that in regard to choosing the, choosing what type of wife you're going to have. And, 
the job of the church is to come as a clean wife. I mean, we once were a harlot, right? Um, like if you look at the book of Hosea, and now we're coming before God and we're supposed to come before him clean. Um, and we shouldn't enslave ourselves to that sort of behavior and relationship as before. Uh, we shouldn't continue in sin. Um, yeah, so <clears throat> that's sort of the opener for our conversation about pornography. We actually have a lot of questions uh, that we're going to cover, but we also have kind of a long testimonial that um, that we got. Uh, we this is somebody we know, but it is we're going to keep it anonymous because you know there's a lot of vulnerability there. So, um, how are we doing on the sound? It's the best we got. Okay. Well, sorry guys. Um, <clears throat> uh, we'll we'll hopefully our hard copy of this, our local copy will be okay, and then we'll uh, upload it later if if we got buzzing back. So, but I'm gonna go ahead and read this testimonial, and if you can stick with us, then you know, do that. Um, okay. So, <clears throat> around the age of twelve. I discovered the concept of masturbation and sexual pleasure. After this, I began to masturbate way too often without pornography. Oh, by the way, if you haven't picked up on it, this is going to be a um, ironically not safe for work <laughs> show, um, and we're going to be dealing with some difficult topics. So please stick with us. There's reason to our madness, and um, we're trying to do right by a topic that only 7% of churches deal with apparently, or that at least only yeah isn't that what that was yeah seven percent yeah, and i want to go further just yeah go for it go for it on just god warns the church about this he talks about specifically referencing sodom and gomorrah about the end times and what would happen if we don't tackle these sort of like these uh, taboo concepts that the church is clearly failing to address um and i want to just reiterate how important it is that if you yourself or you know someone that's struggling with this sort of concept um, I got a small um, tidbit from ask.com uh, or uh, gotquestions.com yeah. yeah it says when habitual devotion to pornography characterizes a person's life and he or she continues in sin without seeking help making no attempt to stop or feeling no desire to charge or change his or her behavior, it demonstrates the person may not actually be saved. So it tells you just really how um, dire this situation is. Um, so Yeah, so let's, <clears throat> let's take a look. Okay, so this is a testimonial that we received. Mm -hmm. Around the age of 12, I discovered the concept of masturbation and sexual pleasure. After this, I began to masturbate way too often without pornography. I don't really remember how or why I was introduced to pornography, but by that time I was already obsessed with sex and I know that I adopted pornography quickly. Um, just so you know, I'm going to edit this down for time and for sensitivity's sake, um, but um, but believe me, there's a lot there. Originally the content of the pornography I began consuming was normal, it was just two actors of opposite genders on a, on a screen having sex. This was where it stayed for a while until it didn't anymore. I eventually discovered keywords and that targeted what I wanted to see and experience. 
Somewhere in my mind, I wanted intimacy with someone since I felt so lonely, but I wanted it my way. Regardless of the stories, and he tells a lot of stories in between um, this point and the last thing that I read, so I've edited some of it already, where he goes into pretty graphic detail about some of the stuff that he was watching, but I, we talked about it as a crew before, and we run the risk of giving pornography a platform, and we're not looking to do that. We're not looking to like tell these pornographic stories so that you know people can turn them into whatever they want to. Um, in the same vein, it's important for us to take it seriously and to let the audience know. Um, Justine and Jacob and I were talking before the show, and um, like Justine was expressing uh, like surprise at like how deep that rabbit hole you know goes. Um, <clears throat> Jacob and I weren't really surprised by it, but um, yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty bleak. So, um, so that's part of the reason why I'm, I'm trying to be sensitive here. So regardless of the stories, my point is that this crazy and sociopathic type content became less and less jarring and more and more thrilling and pleasurable. This process is called desensi desensitization. I began swimming in utter depravity. I was searching for something but couldn't find it, and so I kept going deeper and deeper still. I think somewhere around this point, I decided that I needed to quit pornography. My brain was going haywire. I discovered NoFap, which is a secular online group formed to try to combat pornography addiction and hold each other accountable. And I want to stop there just to make a point. Um, NoFap, which FAP is a term for masturbation. Um, so NoFap is a secular group. And the reason why that's important to point out is because even the secular world understands that there's something pervasive about pornography. Um, so, yeah, just to point that out. I had no interest in joining their group, but their battle plan interested me. They said, if you can make it 90 days without pornography, then you'll start to break that addiction and it will become easier. And so I decided to try it. I remember the longest that I went for, or the longest I went for originally in the preceding year was only 14 days. Most of the time, I couldn't even make it a week before having a relapse. I was so ashamed of myself for failing and having such a sick and twisted mind and for being so lonely and weak. The only people I had told about my addiction at this point were a couple of friends that had never watched pornography, and so they were of no help. I only told them in that year and not any time during the four or so years that I'd been addicted prior. Now around this time, I met God while watching an anime, which is a story for another day. Nothing changed for a long time with my struggle and addiction even after this. My record for like two and a half years straight of battling my addiction was still only 14 days. And during this time, I had made a promise to God that I'd make it to 90 days. My original intent was to last that long right then, but I was also content with it occurring later down the road. The final push towards darkness was when I started getting into manga, which is kind of like a comic book version of anime. I started heavily getting into manga, and one day I got the twisted idea of reading hentai. Uh, this was when things took their darkest turn. Hentai manga has such a broad range of categories, and some of them are really weird and bizarre. Anyway, some really common themes I took part in viewing were rape, bestiality, incest, torture, murder, furries, um, that's a really weird category. Um, <clears throat> 
homosexuality, specifically men with men, adultery, hypnosis, blackmail, and much more bizarre and downright disgusting stuff. I remember some specific things that still haunt me to this day and probably always will. Now at this point, I'm going to just um, want to preface this next part that we're reading to just kind of warn you. Um, it's very quick, but I decided to keep it in the show because I think that it illustrates a profound point that he makes, and I think that it's important to just show what this sort of material can do to your thought process. Um, so, yeah, I am not seeking to glorify this type of material, but I am going to read what he says. One such story was about a wife that had an orgy with her husband, child, and dog. She had sexual encounters with each of them individually throughout the story as well, and at the end of the story, she had sex with the dog and said to it, you are always my favorite. Referring to who she most enjoyed having sex with, hearing this made my heart sink. I was reminded that I was the same way as the woman. I was not looking to sex for intimacy with my spouse, but instead was looking to sex to feel good, even if that meant getting it from something that's not human. I felt completely empty, broken, ashamed, and disgusted. I think the common theme with all of my experiences with pornography has been me asking myself, why does something that makes my heart hurt this bad make my body and brain feel so good? Whether it was rape, adultery, bestiality, or whatever else, I could see how evil men could be and I saw my true nature. And that's one of the only things that I can thank pornography for. I can tell that humanity's true nature is that of sin and wickedness and that we need forgiveness and salvation, which points directly to God as the answer. <clears throat> I don't know if you guys want to take a moment there, or should I continue? Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a lot to take in. But I, it gets better from here on, so let's, let's continue to read. Yeah. Things started to change for the better, though last summer, or through through last summer. No, things started to change for the better though last summer. By God's grace, I made it 18 days and broke my record, and a few weeks went by, and then I broke both records again, and then a few more weeks, and I made it to 88 days without any relapse, and then finally a few more, and I've made it to 102 days today, and I'm still going strong. I finally fulfilled my promise to God of making it to 90 days, and I feel victorious. I had to give up so much to make it here, though. I've had to give up anime, manga, certain games, block certain things on my phone, download accountability software, tell everyone about my addiction, and be honest about it. And most of all, I've had to give it to God. He took it and is remaking me and remodeling me into a stronger and stronger man every day. Praise God, without him, none of this would be possible. I still have really intense days of craving and temptation for pornography and the way it makes me feel, but God has consistently been reminding me to pray about it and consistently give up things to him so that I won't fall. Also, something I remind myself every time it rears its ugly head is that if I ever want to help people with their struggles, I have to be stronger than mine. I can't feel sorry for myself anymore and let pornography, quote-unquote, comfort me. 
I have to face the truth and deal with it. The difference in success now is that I'm not alone anymore. I have God on my side and people consistently rooting for me. Pornography isn't something that you should hide from the world and fight in private. Bring it before your support system and God so that you can defeat it. And please let that be the lesson to take away from my story. So <clears throat> we're going to go into this next part. And yeah, I struggled with some of this stuff too as to what to say to the camera. But um, yeah, we'll just, we'll read on. I think the saddest part of my whole story is the after effects of pornography. I became quote unquote bisexual by the world standard, but I wasn't born liking men. It's something that I trained myself to derive pleasure from. Something that's been really hard for me is how much pornography affects everyday life. For instance, it's hard for me to see specific people or situations in movies and shows and normal day-to-day -day interactions with people without thinking about someone or something super sexually, even though I know that it's wrong. The things that I'm most attracted to now in a woman sexually are not realistic. They're fantastical and unfulfillable by reality. I also shudder to think of the damage that I've caused my marriage in the future. I'll probably have a wife who believes that she's not good enough because of how unsatisfied I will be with sex. I most likely won't be able to see my wife as beautiful because my standard of beauty isn't even based in reality. And when I have sex, I probably will be having intense flashbacks to old pornographic stories that haunt my memory. Porn is seductive and poisonous. It reels people in, lures them down a rabbit hole, and then destroys them. I have fallen for its bait just as so many others have. Please do not follow in my footsteps. I don't want you to feel the same pain as I have. And if you have already fallen for it and are addicted, have patience. Fighting porn isn't just a battle, it's a war. And just as in war, victory may not come in a day. Addictions aren't unbeatable. With God, all things are possible. I believe in you and I know that God does too. I love you all. God bless and good night. So that's his story, and it is both a difficult story, and we thank him for his vulnerability. Um, and it's also not an unfamiliar story, at least not to me. I've heard stories like that. Um, the truth is, is that if you are a man in this generation, and I'm sure a woman too, but I can really only speak authoritatively <laughs> as a man. Um, if you're a man in this generation, then you have a relationship with porn, even if that means that you are running away from it. Um, yeah, I mean, I personally can, I personally can talk about that. Like I know what it's like to understand that I have to keep away from it because I understand what it is to be called by it, um, to be called by, for me, the curiosity of things. And that's the thing that gets a lot of people, I think, is, is curiousness. Um, a lot of people struggle with wanting what, what, this, what this man wanted, you know, intimacy. Um, the thing that I, if I'm gonna be honest with you guys, one of the things that I'm most scared of is uh, scared is not the right term, but 
one of the things that I'm most aware of is how many young men we have in, in our church, specifically here in Portland, Oregon. I myself have a son, and I am a godfather to several boys. And, you know, when I was in high school, pornography was something that you sort of traded at school, you know, like sort of pre... I mean, I mean, you had the internet, but if you wanted to download something pornographic, I mean, it would take you hours to download, you know, like one image. It really wasn't worthwhile. Uh, you know, so you kind of had to work harder, if that makes sense. Um, so people would trade like VHSs and things like that, or like dirty mags, right? Now it's not like that. Um, and so, I mean, for me, I, I never like personally was addicted to it in any real way. Like I have my experience with it. I have guilt over the relationships that I've had with porn in the past. You know, like I know enough about porn to know certain porn stars' names and and have objectified them in ways that, you know, I've sought forgiveness for. Um, but uh, I think that what I've had to deal with as a man growing up in the 90s, it doesn't even compare to what a man growing up in this day and age will have to deal with and what a man what my son will have to deal with. So um, that for me, like fighting that battle in particular is one that I am racking my brain over how to teach them. He put it well about living victoriously, how to teach them to live victoriously, though your enemy is constantly calling for you. And specifically, like I said in Proverbs, beckoning you to enter their house, which leads to death knocking on the door all the time. I don't know if you guys want to talk about that. What's your yeah. what's your experience? Um, I kind of... Um, wow, we only have like 20 minutes left. But Well, I can try to be quick. Um, basically, I just talked about it as a cause, but it's one that I have specifically dealt with. Um, in middle school, uh, I was, I guess, a late bloomer. And um, I uh, had friends that would talk to me and others openly about um, being able to successfully masturbate to pornography, but I have never even been able to do that at that point. And like you were too young biologically to. Yeah, I just my body was incapable of. And doing you didn't that. Gr you didn't grow up as a believer, right? Right. Yeah, I. I was very very like family guy guy where there's just a man up there and I don't know oh yeah, yeah, yeah totally type of situation yeah but um yeah so um I thought of it as just like a cool thing that my friends can do and then um so I they knew I couldn't do it so I would kind of get made fun of so like I would hear at recess hey come over here for the first time or things like that and they would like um kind of harp in on how I'm not able to do that and then um, it became something that was accepted um, across the board um, and sort of like a way of manhood getting through that gate and being able to successfully do it and then once I did I felt proud of myself for being able to accomplish that like a normal man and then um, it got to the point where um, with my psychological way of thinking 
I would not be able to go to sleep. And so I would go and either smoke weed. And if I didn't have weed, I would watch pornography and I'd instantly be able to fall asleep way easier. And so it was like two good things that were actually catering to this very evil demonic situation that was just continuously driving me into uh, like this this whole situation, bad self-esteem, unable to figure out how to talk or treat or be right with a girl, like all these things. It was just very corrupt. And I remember like this situation with pornography also like slingshot my um, sexual relationship with women when it shouldn't have been like that at all. Um, I should have been more responsible and uh, firm with how I felt and um, I just I wasn't and I didn't understand uh, like why I would feel bad about myself. I just knew that this was a thing I was supposed to feel good about and so I'd have to look for ways to feel good about it. Um, but then it turned into an addiction where that's all I ever did. But then like this addiction, it's not really an addiction because I still feel bad about it. It was really, really terrible. But yeah, um, like this testimony, God definitely gives you that 180. Um, and then being vulnerable and talking about it and owning it and giving it to God and being honest. Um, and then continuously doing things to put mechanisms like real mechanisms in place so you don't feel that temptation and when you do uh, you're getting blocked from it because there's apps like that that will do that for you Um, and then just finding something like a hobby or something that's um, easy to take into that place where you're building something or growing in a real way and expressing yourself so for me that would probably be (coughs) like rap or reading comic books and they would help a lot Marvel and DC comic books. I know there's porn comics. Don't read those. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So you, but your introduction to porn wasn't just with your friends, right? Right. Yeah. It was also both of my uh, father figures at the time were, um, it was like reassured in that way as well. But um, even then, I'm sure they were like, they didn't like it either. I'm sure that it's like a sense of contention and like they don't want to talk about it. It's like shameful in that yeah. way. How are you feeling about it? Do you want to talk about that? Um, yeah, so my my thoughts about like my perspective from this when we were kind of going over the show and talking about it was I was just thinking about, you know, as a child, like what if you're introduced that way and then it becomes an an addiction like I feel like there's probably a lot of people that that happens to them where they're introduced in like a like a traumatic way Um, Mm -hmm. and that's like that's how I was introduced to it um, by my dad like he showed it to me a couple times when I was younger and I didn't like really understand what was going on and um, like I knew I felt shameful and I didn't like it Um, but I feel like God really protected me because I never looked into it again or was interested in it and I even, even had like another experience when I was in like third grade where it was just 
on in someone's house, like a friend's house, in the parents' bedroom, and my friend was like, oh, let's go see what this is, and as soon as I saw it, I was like, no, I want nothing to do with that, so, like, luckily for me, like, I didn't go down that path of, like, becoming addicted to it, but, like, I know that there's other kids that they've been introduced to it at a really young age and like a traumatic sexual experience so yeah just thinking about that and just I guess feeling sad in that way you know like that kids have to go through that and experience that and then um might turn into more of an addiction for them mm-hmm. yeah yeah, the things that we, there's an adage in developmental psychology that the things that we um, fear or are traumatized by, you know, when we're young are the things that we come, become obsessed with when we're older. So. Yeah, it's really sad. Like, you think of nostalgia and that's supposed to be something that's good, but when you're struggling with this this uh, dark shadow that creeps into eleven year olds nostalgia becomes a like a wrong and false image of what sexuality is supposed to be like and it's just you know not good yeah and I want to point out that the reason why this is um, the reason why this is a problem beyond all the things that we've mentioned before Justine brings up this point of like um, introducing it to your children you know there is this adage uh, again somewhat anachronistic of like you know the the man like buying a, a a hooker for his kid or like taking the kid to get his first porno mag or something when yeah. he's 18 or whatever um the reason why this is traumatic especially for little kids is you know as as undeveloped as they are they're seeing something that's really supposed to be reserved. It's something that's supposed to be holy. Like, from a biblical standpoint, they can't understand that. Um, even sexually, in a secular world, we understand that little kids can't understand that. That's why we have laws to protect them from, from those things. They can't um, understand the dynamic nature of sex. So to introduce them to that young, you know, showing them pornographic images and all of these things, by the nature of what you're introducing to them in itself is traumatic. It's something that need, that must be debriefed. It's something that cannot be considered casual. And quite frankly, um, when you are watching pornography, you are watching something that's traumatic. <laughs> Even if it's, you're taking something that's holy and you're making it casual. Um, so anyway, uh, I mean, we can continue on and on, but we have actually a ton of questions and we only have like 13 minutes left. So we're just going to kind of go through these questions as quick as we can and try to answer them. Hopefully what you've got from this right off the right out the gate is that this is a problem um, within the world. It's a problem within the current climate we live in. It's even a problem within the church. And one of the things that we, we don't pretend that in one hour we're going to be able to solve all of these things or, or answer, you know, everybody's uh, dynamic situation. But what we really want is the conversation to be open. I think that if you take a second to listen to 
the men in your life, you would find out, if they're vulnerable enough to say it, that this is something that they struggle with, even if they feel victorious in it. Um, it's like it, it's a conversation between me and my wife, for instance, where I 100% feel victorious in my relationship to porn, but I absolutely have a relationship with porn. It's an enemy, and it's, it's tried to creep into my life before, and I've never let it take hold um, by the grace of God, but it is, it is an enemy, and it has to be seen that way. It can't be seen as morally neutral. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So let's hit some of the questions. Feel free to comment in the threads. Uh, first question, I've never watched pornography before, but how do I keep myself from falling into watching it? How do I keep myself from falling into watching it? Well, I would say the first thing is to view it as not morally neutral. Yeah, or something that is uh, like neutral, casual, but rather degrading and actually evil and something to look at as rape, you know, because that's exactly what's going on in most of these. If you see it as, if you see it as, I went for, this is going to sound weird, but it's the truth. I went for a walk with my wife and a good friend of ours in Amsterdam um, <laughs> down the red light district. And the red light district is a place that's known to sailors as a place for them to, you know, get the hookup or whatever. Um, it's like modeled in Pinocchio, for instance. Uh, it's like Pleasure Island in Pinocchio. Anyway, uh, but I have a distinct memory of walking through the red light district where there was um, guys who were beckoning, guys and women who were beckoning us into these shops. And in the shops, there were women standing in the windows like Barbie dolls who were like uh, naked and like dancing in the windows as we're walking through the red light district because our, our friend, she wanted to show us what was there. And as we're walking through, she told us that the, the most disturbing aspect of it, it, you know, it's this like dirty little not secret of Amsterdam, but the most disturbing aspect of it was that there was some sort of staggering statistic, like 50% or higher of the women who were there were sex trafficked. Um, and it really just, she told us that at the beginning of going through, right? And I mean, obviously it's odd to walk through that with my wife anyway, but to walk through it with these two women, to have these men pulling us into it, and to know that the women that they were selling to us were sex trafficked, com completely changed the way in which I perceived that event. And so this is something that I would say, your perception going into porn has to be that it's not just something, it's something evil. Mm -hmm. That's, you have to understand that. You would never drink from a bottle of poison like antifreeze, you never drink antifreeze, um, even though it said taste good, uh, if you understood what it would do to you. I mean, I guess in today's generation, they take Tide Pods or whatever, but yeah, geez. that's so two years ago. Um, but I'd say that's the first thing. Um, the other thing is build relationships with women, I would say where you, if you're a man and you ask this question, build relationships, well, just build relationships with the opposite sex that, that know them for who they are. The truth is, is that a woman doesn't always want to have sex. In a porn, a woman always wants to have sex. Women are not that way. <laughs> like, you know, if you have a relationship with a, with a, a woman that is more than just objectified, you'll understand that that's not true. 
you know? If you have a relationship with wives and mothers and aunts and grandmas and so on and so forth, then it will be much harder for you to um, not see how evil this objectification is. Mm-hmm. So that's something. The other thing I would say is stay away from it. Like run away like Joseph did for, with Potiphar's wife. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> right. Okay, how do I keep my kids away from pornography? Um, quick answer. Uh, don't hide them from the truth of the evil of pornography. Inform them about it. Teach them what we just talked about. Teach them what sex is for. Uh, so don't hide them from sex either. Teach them what sex is for, where it's supposed to be, what their relationship with it should be, which is that it's sacred, that it's something that's private between a husband and a wife, that it's something that is valuable and beautiful when it's kept in that context. Um, I just lost audio again. Um, Are we still good? Yeah, we're good, okay. Um, It's something that is beautiful when it's kept in that context. So that's, that's what I would say, and teach them how God sees it. Uh, I'm married and I'm able to fall into sex. Am I able to fall into sexual sin within the marriage bounds? I feel like that's, I feel like that's a different category. Um, but I'll tell you this: I did a heart scribe QA dealing with, and I don't know if producer Jasmine wants to throw that into the comments, but I did a heart scribe QA talking about whether porn, uh, how porn affects the marriage relationship, and so that's something I would say is. Um, if we want to keep it in the subject of porn, you can bring bad things into the marriage relationship. Yes, you can. Uh, so, simple answer to that. Can I fall into sexual sin within the marriage bounds? Yeah, absolutely you can. You can... Oh, yeah. There's a philosophical question, can you rape the willing? Yeah, of course you can. Um, you can absolutely take from somebody what they want you to take from them. Um because people are made in the image of God and there's a way that we should treat people regardless of how they want to be treated. So yeah, you can, you can hurt people even within the bounds of the marriage relationship and everything you do in the marriage relationship should be loving and yeah, yeah. you can fall into sin. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in fact, staining the purity of marriage that God created um, is one of the um, biggest or uh, t- most detrimental things we can do in a marriage relationship because we're called to bring our spouses back before God pure and um, to honor them, uh, to honor Him at the same time because God is at the center of our relationship. Um, we should not let anything else get in between that. Yeah. And pornography is like the biggest one. It's well, apparently, that's what the stats are saying, right? Yeah, what was it, 57 or 67 percent? Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, um, let's see, what is the difference between pornography and masturbation? Well, obviously, masturbation is what you do with pornography, um, (laughs) so they're different. Uh, masturbation isn't, I believe, uh, at least I can't find anywhere from scripture that says that masturbation is, um, amoral. I think that it is morally neutral, uh, but it is very, um, wow, I was going to, never mind. Uh, it is, I believe that it's morally neutral. I'm open to having my mind changed on that subject. That being said, um, 
they are different from each other. And actually, if you want to get a better sense of that discussion, we had a pretty lengthy discussion in season one of Nightlight when we dealt with a similar question. Um, let's see, season one, episode five. Yeah. Part two. Okay, part two. An hour two. into the broadcast. There you go, an hour into the broadcast. Uh, so we had a pretty lengthy discussion on that. So check it out, season one, part five, or season one, episode five, part two. Producer Jasmine can post that link. Um, if you want to check that out, our thoughts on pornography and masturbation and how they're related to each other. Okay, mm -hmm. so why is it good to wait to be sexual until marriage? Uh, well, there's a ton of reasons that the scripture outlines. The long and short of it is that marriage is a, is a reflection of the relationship between the Trinity, between God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It's meant to show what that is supposed to look like, and therefore it is a holy relationship. And when we violate how God designed us to be, like which is to show his character, then it has massive, massive consequences. Let a, like negative consequences, let alone the fact that we're not living up to who we want, how, to who God wants us to be. That's kind of the long and short of that. Um, but then there's all these like secular worldly statistics about that. You know, like, I don't know if you know this, but when you uh, like first go to the doctor, for instance, um, with your spouse, like you're looking into having a, a a baby or whatever they'll ask you questions about like have you had um like you might have this sexually transmitted disease or something like that like if you've only been with one partner then it's impossible for you to have those diseases and the list goes on and on and on there's like real practical reasons why it makes sense for you to wait but biblically speaking it is a union that is holy it's a union that's holy. You can find that all throughout the scripture. We don't really have time to go into where those passages are, but um, Paul talks about it at length. Uh, Jesus affirms it when he's talking to the Pharisees, I want to say. Um, and whenever we go against God's character and how he developed us, there's bad consequences. So um, I would definitely look into that because it's not hard to find information. Oh, check out gotquestions.org. They're great for that. Um, if I never get married, can I watch porn? No. <laughs> no. Like, what? Like, no. And, like, <laughs> the scripture says when you lust after a woman, you're committing adultery with her in your heart. And the truth is, and this is what this, this testimony was saying, like, he realizes that he wronged the marriage bed of the woman that he one day will marry. And vice versa, like this woman is the potential uh, partner of somebody else, you know? Right. Like, it's an adulterous relationship. No, you cannot watch porn because you're not married. That is ridiculous. Um, it's still a sin. Yeah. <clears throat> How does porn affect me? I think we've answered that. What makes porn a sin? Well, quite frankly, porn is exhausting somebody else for your sake. That's like the long and short of it. You're willing to consume them and and make something that's holy unholy so that you can feel the way that you want to feel. It's perversion, and that's why it's sinful. Uh, what does the Bible say about porn? It has a lot to say about pornea. Um, pornography is a completely 
it's like a category of pornea, but everything that we've said is what the Bible says about porn. And how do I stop watching porn? Well, I think that you follow this guy's testimony. It's a good example. Baby steps, um, but specifically in reading the Bible, talking to God about it, not keeping it hidden and locked behind the door of your life, but instead confessing it, repenting it, and taking away its power. Um, yeah. Okay, those are all the questions that we had. Obviously, this is a huge subject. So, if there are more questions, if you want to talk to somebody about this, if you know somebody who has this issue, if you yourself have this issue, please reach out to us. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, so we're at about an hour, so I'm going to call it and say that's essentially our show for tonight. Like I said, you should reach out to us because, you know, this stuff is not a, it's not a small subject. It matters. Um, we are available. Our staff is always available to pray or to talk um, or to answer questions. We do that on Monday nights. We do that on Monday nights from 9 to 10.30 uh, for our office hours. So every Monday night, 9 to 10.30, we make sure that our, our building is staffed with uh, chaplains who are, or our school of chaplains who are um, wanting to talk to you about these things and to pray with you and so on and so forth. So please feel free to reach out. Please feel free to share this with people. Um, and to let this generate discussion. Remember, if you want to donate to our services, if you want to learn more about what we do here in Portland, uh, you can check out abfpdx.org. And yeah, please share this video with anyone who might need it. And remember to subscribe. And on YouTube, hit the notification bell to get the latest episode. Um, speaking of that, we are gonna, for Nightlight Radio, we're gonna go off the air for a little bit and we're gonna come back in May. In May, we will be live again starting May 6th, then the 13th and the 20th. We're gonna be talking about the lack of motivation that people oftentimes are feeling these days. So the first week, we're gonna be dealing with lack of motivation. Then we're gonna be dealing with self-worth and the, the issues with um, self-esteem and identities surrounding self-worth. And then the last show for the year is gonna be on May 20th. And we're gonna be discussing deconstruction of people's faith and people falling away from that identity that they had. So if you have any questions on those subjects or on this subject or any subject that we've talked about this year, please reach out so that we can address them um, come May. And in the meantime, just have a good night and remember to stay in prayer about all of these things and to pray specifically for the men in your life specifically because this is a major problem specifically for men and those young men and stay healthy and stay vigilant and cue the disclaimer.